to the Designated Drinker Show. I am Louise Salas, your host on the podcast that's raising the bar on craft cocktails. And with me, as always, is my very talented friend. And I am always in her corner, which makes me her Mickey. And she, my Rocky. <laughs> the mixtress DC Gina. <laughs> Hi, Louise. That's a great intro considering so like, where we are. Exactly. So if that, like, like, to what you said, if that wasn't a big enough clue as to where in the world are Gina and Louise today, um, I don't know what else could be. So if no one knows, or if you're still guessing, yes, we are in the city of brotherly love. That's also known as Philadelphia. Gina's uh, old stomping grounds. Uh, these streets could suck. <laughs> Do you really want them to? My kids wouldn't really know too much about me. <laughs> so um, who better to sip a bit of gin and talk about uh, some classic American cocktails than uh, our next designated drinker? The founder and president of Philadelphia Distilling, Andrew Awarda, which is also known as Blue Coat Gin. Greetings. Thanks for coming. Thanks for having us. Thanks for letting us come to your amazing new distillery. This is a beautiful spot. Thank you very much. Yeah, years in the works, but uh, we're enjoying it now. Yeah. It's, it's, it, you're, it's obvious still. I mean, how long have you been in this spot? Oh, we're coming up on two years. Oh, nice. Um, so 10 years in uh, sort of blank warehouse district, and now we're in Fishtown, right next to the Fillmore, really have the opportunity to engage with our customers with tours and tastings and cocktails Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. Awesome. So so that listeners know we are in a working distillery. So when you, if you hear any, uh, you know, noises in the background, it's, they're, uh, they're making some amazing gin. Yeah, so. I, this is amazing. Yeah. So wait, Andrew, come on. Do you like sit back sometimes and go, oh my gosh, look at this? <laughs> I mean, well, this is incredible. Yeah, you, it's amazing what you can accomplish over years of hard work. Um, certainly proud of our new distillery and um, it gave you know the, the deserved home for an amazing gin before yes. we didn't have that sort of showcase and now we do and really um, it, it, it's helpful building customers and for them to understand the brand because the brand comes to life here at the distillery yeah I do have a confession to make Andrew go ahead Are you ready <laughs> yes I'm in love <laughs> With your gin. <laughs> Bummer. I mean, no, wait, that's great. Right? That wasn't awkward. No. That's fantastic. It never gets old to hear people um, appreciating our spirits and the hard work that we do. So um, thank you very much. Appreciate I've loved support. it from the, the product within the bottle, but I've always appreciated course I do the branding and the beautiful product or packaging that you put your product in it's it's uh I think it's really all I can do is applaud you and tell you that um I may drink your gin maybe a little more often than I tell my doctor where was the first place that you had it in DC oh you know I don't know that I don't know that answer Hmm. I don't know. Once I found it, once I think I know. You know, I'm sure it was at Hanks. I was gonna say, I think it was Hanks. She was Hanks. We met at Hanks. Yep. PS Seven is where most people had it. I was thinking Wasika is the first time that you got. That's right. That's right. A bottle landed in DC in Gina's hands. But I left quickly after that. Yeah, I'm just saying that's the first time I met you. Is Gina was the first person to bring secretly bring Blue Coat Gin into the district, and and so I had to go meet this bar star and. Our the first sample Bar Star. I like that. I call you a lot of things. Never Bar Star. Andrew, Not yet. Means. I had the um, we had the bar the bottles we made. What was the name of the um? I know the name of the drink. 
It was the drink I had on the menu. It was um 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 um. Uh, it was like lime and the coconut, and we did it with the gin and the lime juice and the coconut cream, and we did it with a blue coat. Nice. That's right. That could have been it. I was a novice to cocktails then, and I've learned a lot. But um, but you started hanging out with the right chick then. Yeah. We, she certainly taught me a lot. You jumped into the very deep end of the pool. <laughs> <laughs> Seriously. Wrong end. Right, right, it was the right end. I it was think, just I the deep learned, end. I, the... I think I learned more. But let's talk about... So here's the thing. Most people don't know... Some people that are listening may never have had blue coat. So give us... Tell, give us yes. an elevator pitch. Sure. Yeah, yeah I want sure. to know it. Um, but, um, right, so, and as he does that, let's take let's a sip. A little sipping, uh, yeah. All right, yeah. Sipping, sipping, sipping. Oh, it smells so beautiful. So first of all, um, it's it's made in a one-of-a-kind copper pot still, a 1,500-liter Forsyth's copper pot still, literally from the best still maker in the world. They're essentially Scottish stills. Um, the botanicals go right into the pot with uh, grain-neutral spirit, and there's a slow heating of the pot, and our distillation takes about 12 hours. So um, what's important about um, our process, or one of the distinguishing points about Blue Coat, is that we use 100% organic botanicals. We really feel like the, the botanicals are the star in any gin, and certainly the juniper, um, but we surrounded by other organic botanicals to create this really beautiful, approachable, luxurious spirit. A little softer and rounder on the juniper than you might have in a sort of tangeray or a traditional London dry. And then we have bright citrus notes, sweet yes. orange peel, lemon peel, and then some secret citrus botanicals that really give Blue Coat a refreshing finish and crisp taste. Yes. No, I couldn't agree more. I uh, am a Blue Coat soda drinker. I like because I like all of the flavors. I like it to come through. I just I like it so much, but I also don't want to land on the floor. So you know, <laughs> <laughs> no, just a couple. It's ninety four proof, so no, that's where the soda up. water comes in. Since where I'm, I'm justifying it, <laughs> right, right, right. You put just the right amount of soda water has a nice little tinge to it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's true. It's like you ever see when when you ever see when people put it in, and the blue coat has like a little bit of um, it's this little hue to it. Mm-hmm. It's really beautiful. It's beautiful. Kind of like look. So tell us I'm not allowed to leave this area. Sorry. No. Tell us that. Tell us a story about like you have a really cool brand story. I mean, it's funny is that I first tasted. You're right. It was a Louise taste this gin kind of thing, and yeah. I was like, oh, I really really like it. And then when I then I saw the bottle, and then I learned about your branding, and of course, then I really did fall in love with you. I mean, with your gin. <laughs> Thank you. So well, the the brand story is really, uh, it's all about the independence and the revolutionary soldiers that fought for our independence. What they sacrificed for our freedoms to make cocktails and own a distillery um, is incredible. And um, as you know, the gin market is dominated by the red coats, the British gins, yeah. the, the Tangerays and Sapphires and Hendrix of the world. And we're, we were creating and crafting uh, the first, you know, we opened the first distillery in the state of Pennsylvania since Prohibition. And we wanted to do gin and sort of buck that trend and be the blue coat, be the American version. In fact, we're the very first gin ever to put American dry gin on the bottle. Oh, really? Because we wanted to, yeah, we wanted to highlight that it was from the birthplace of America, Philadelphia, and that we're highlighting the American-grown botanicals. So right off the bat, for us, it was all about Philadelphia, the Revolutionary War period, and the risks that those soldiers took for our benefit. So um, it's an homage to them and that spirit of independence. You know, that's really what it's about um, in a nutshell. Yeah, damn it. We don't need London dry gin. That's right. 
American do attitude. We can make it here. We can make it better. And they threw their tea in the yeah. sea, and now exactly. we're just throwing their gin there too. No, just we kidding. Beat them at the Revolutionary War, and now we're beating them at the gin war. That's our hope, at least. It's nice. Yeah. I like that. I like that revolutionary trail that you're, you're sending out on. That's nice. I'm into that. <laughs> This is um, it's beautiful. So, well, so Gina, what drew you to it? I mean, I mean, obviously, um, Andrew. <laughs> <laughs> the product within the bottle. What I mean, it was different. It um, has like a, a different. So, gin is you know really, really it's not. They're no no. All the gins are not the same. People yeah. that say a gin is gin is they're wrong. It's because but, they don't know better. But, but that's why we're here. That's right. why they look the designated drinker show. Duh, a designated drinker but show website to learn how to do it's that. It's true, right? I, I think that like um, each gin has a uh, you know has a place. But what I love about this gin is I loved the um, femininity of it. I loved the suppleness of it. It's a very supple. It's got a beautiful um, sweet orange. Isn't something that's common. Isn't common. People put orange peels. They put dried lemon peels. But like having that little essence in there is actually really beautiful. And like, you know, for me, a good drink, a gin drinker or somebody that drinks gin or drinks gin martinis or something, you really know what you like about it. Because it's, you know, is it for everybody? It is if someone mixes it. If you're drinking it straight, like as a, as a martini, maybe it's not for you. But like when you find the one, you know, you stick with it. So like I personally loved, like, I just loved it. Like I said, the femininity is it beautiful. It was bold. Like when I needed to be with the juniper, like up front, but then it softened up and like it made it expressible um, in a different way where like you could, you know, very lightly pepper it with something like a pink, like a peppercorn. Oh, yeah. And still taste the gin and then like have like the perfume of the pink peppercorn where other people would say, oh, it's got like a heat to it. I like to use pink peppercorn for the perfume of it, the aroma of the pink peppercorn. And like this is really something really nice to do with it. And it like highlights those kind of fruits and those undertones. I think it's really cool when Gina gets into this. She starts geeking out, and we talk about. But I want. But I mean, when we when I watch her make cocktails, I, I often ask, "Why'd you pick that one? Why why that?" And that's the that's the key. Because I mean, you as a consumer, you're standing at the at the aisle, and don't get me wrong, the bottle is beautiful. But then, if you don't know what what to do with it, you could you could mistake it. You could use it for the wrong thing, and then you don't honor the spirit and find out like really what's in it and let that let it like. Or you don't drink it again. So yeah, that's the problem. Like you you miss order it. something, and then you throw a bunch of stuff in it, and then you don't drink it again because you're like, oh, I just don't like, I don't like, I don't like whatever it is, and you do like it. You're, you're unfortunately, you just served it maybe not in the best light. Yeah, but I have to say, it's very versatile. So blue coat, that's another thing. It's very good for like people like that are just getting into gins, like. You know, it's not going to smack you in the face. It's going to, like, give you... Certainly a gateway gin. Yeah, it's a gateway gin. <laughs> we, we have a lot of gin fans yeah. that never liked any gin before Blue Coat. And yeah. I think it is what Gina was saying, this sort of subtle complexity and sweetness with the citrus and easiness and roundness, approachable but yet complex. And um, what we're happy with that positioning. I mean, we want to be the number one selling premium gin, and you got to be in the sweet spot of the category. It's not a niche gin, for yeah. sure. But... Um, it certainly satisfies those that like a martini with that I, high proof and um, complexity and real clean, you know, aftertaste. It's it's delicious. Well, the handcrafting and I mean, the, people who say, "Oh, I don't like gin," are probably the ones that they're people who who aren't educated in, in the world of gin and may be ordering whatever is in the well. well. They drank it in their parents' liquor cabinet yes. when they were like sixteen, and maybe it wasn't a good idea to put it with grapefruit juice and just <laughs> yeah. plug it. Yeah, exactly. 
yeah. when you're 16. Speaking of slugging, let's try. What's what else do we have? You, yeah, we, which, so which we just tasted next? the American Dry Gin, which is stunning. I think we should try the, our, our newest um, expression of blue coat. It's called Blue Coat Elderflower, and yes. this is um, really exciting because it's a hint of elderflower. Same distillation, same great botanical recipe, but we macerate the high proof spirit with elderflowers, and you get this little kiss from that. Um, that maceration process that really adds something quite unique. That's nice. Like the little drops of like uh, floral, the floral note, like that little drop like in the middle of your tongue. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And what I what I appreciate it for is that it doesn't. It, there are no more. There's no more sugar. It's, it's a, maybe the opposite. I'm feeling that. It's not a liqueur. No, yeah. no, yeah. But, no sugar added. And I say that is because I, I would often order my blue coat in in the summer when I went a little sweet. I asked for a whisper, a whisper of Saint Germain. Yep. But that's a very sweet, and it's an elderflower liqueur, but very sweet. And that's why I want that elderflower mm-hmm. like in hint. And I'm trying to get that without getting too much of the sweetness of the liqueur. So it's it's really, I think it's really well done. I suggest well done. that you drink this, Andrew. I love it in a Vesper or a martini, even a 50-50 martini. Just something that can oh, highlight 50/50s. the spirit. It's a, a delicate, you know, sort of extension of the core of blue coat, or I call the classic blue coat blue. Um, and... You know, you don't, you don't want to cover it up too much. So I, When you said 50-50, I don't know if everyone heard Gina go, ah, 50 <laughs> What I, I know they didn't see was the little sparkle in her eye <laughs> when she said it. <laughs> I love 50-50s. Like, I just love them. Because, like, you have, like, this thing. But, like, um, because it's, like, it, first of all, they become very, like, you know, potable. And you can drink them a little bit. <laughs> maybe two instead of one. But um, I love the flavor of it. Because you're getting, like, a botanical... It's coming from the gin, and you get the beauties of like the vermouths and stuff like that. So, like, we we're gonna make one. Sure, great. We're gonna make one now, which means that everyone that's listening is gonna have to go out and get both bottles, and you're gonna have to make one too. <laughs> so, while she doesn't, how would somebody get that? So, Blue Coat Elderflower right now is a distillery only product, so you got to come to the distillery. But in the future, um, we'll be releasing our second ever distillery only expression of Blue Coat. Um, sometime in 2019. So you'll start to see elderflower in our major markets. I would think in the spring of 19, it'll expand out because we've had a great year selling it here. I'm hoping to find it in my own liquor cabinet cabinet at home after today. <laughs> well, I think we can sort you out today for sure. Well, well you have such a beautiful um, um, store downstairs. Yeah, it's retail. Great. I mean, it's, it's great. One of the benefits of having a distillery in Pennsylvania is that we can sell direct to our consumers. Um, you know, from a retail, from a, a full bottle perspective to the cocktails and tastings. And Get some swag right. while you're there. Was that always Andrew? Or did you it was not the case. That, our, our, our company was instrumental in convincing the PA legislators that, um, you know, craft distilling and having a front of the house operation, distillery tours, is a great job creator. And yeah. it's, it's like a tourist magnet. And we've really landed on that. Uh, distillery tour or a visit to Philly, even if you come for 48 hours, a couple hour visit to our cocktail lounge and tasting room is definitely recommended. It's absolutely beautiful. <laughs> Nothing like Patty, you know, but I, I will say that it is a really beautiful space and I looked at the cocktail menu and it looks delicious. Um, Gina's making ours today, so it's kind of <laughs> like best, best of both worlds. Can I interrupt really quick? Sure. You're being so humble pie right now, I, I can't. <laughs> um, I will, I, I will, I will unhumble him just for a minute and say, how remarkable 
to rewrite legislation that people, all, hundreds of distilleries now are popping up all across yeah. the United States, right? We get to, everybody's got a dream now in their head that they're gonna make this and this and this. The legislation that Andrew and Luco and uh, Philadelphia Distilling has changed has not only been just for Philadelphia, but they've rewritten legislation to craft distilleries for the United States. Yeah, and it became, became a, certainly it was a Pennsylvania law that we changed and you know, my nephew, Robert Castle, was instrumental in spearheading that for our company. Um, and, you know, as Gina said, it, it's, we were the first in the state of Pennsylvania only, you know, we started 12 years ago, but now there are 85 distilleries. That's great. And most of them started right off with a cocktail bar and a retail store because it helps to pay the bills, you know, the bills quite yeah. frankly. And, and um, without any middleman involved, it's, it's a nice margin business for for us distillers, and um, it, it has become, we Pennsylvania moved from one of the worst states to open a distillery to one of the best with that legislation, and, nice. and now, as Gina said, it's being copied in other states. It's a great way to engage people. Um, as you know, the millennials and, and younger generations are very interested in where their food or spirit or beverage comes from, and, Absolutely. you know. We're gonna do a sans peel, <laughs> because I, Maybe that's the name of the drink now. Sans peel. <laughs> yeah, no garnish. It's it. naked. Well, no, I actually we drink put, it I naked. Put a, Don't tell I, anybody yet. Two drops. <laughs> In my 50/50s, I always put a drop of bitters. So tell me, tell me what this is. So 50/50 traditionally is 50% um, gin or whatever, and um, another expression. So we would use vermouth generally. So we did the elderflower um, with the 50/50, and like I always put one dash of bitters. In mine, and I usually put an ex like a like a lime, um, a lime peel, uh, a lemon or an orange across the top. But I didn't have that. But I also just tried for the first time today Jack's um, bitters, and Jack is a per actual alive person. Yes. That <laughs> so you can come meet here at Philadelphia Distilling, and he made an aromatic bitters, and it's actually really nice, and has like a really beautiful like clove and orange flavor. So. Hopefully that's enough to like pull it through. I haven't tried it yet. I taste it. Yeah, mm. it's, gonna, delicious. Um, it's delicious. It is delicious. So just, I'll just nice and clean. Mm -hmm. um, those so could be smiling. very dangerous. You know what would be really nice with this? And this is going to sound bizarre. Like I think like two flakes of salt. Hmm. Like, oh. a, like a really yeah. pretty like um, cypress pyramid salt. Yes. I just agree. like so. two little, that's you know, yep. because like, first of all, I love flowers and salt. Like, I mean, that sounds ridiculous. Who eats flowers and salt? But <laughs> I eat flowers and salt. It's weird. And um, it's really good. Marigolds and salt work out really well together. And this is like one of those things. No, it, it's it's really beautiful. And you're right. That that, plate, that touch of salt. I mean, just think it'll help keep your sodium levels up so that mm. it doesn't hurt as much tomorrow. I know I'm justifying again, but you know. <laughs> Isn't it salt good for arthritis? Oh, no, it's bad for arthritis. Mm -hmm. Never mind. It's okay. Forget oh. it, just drink it. It's good for the drink, though. It's good, good for, for the, the cocktail. So how did you get into distilling? I mean, it was such, like, to the point that you had to go through all the legislation mm -hmm. and change those laws. And obviously, it was an uphill battle, um, which you won with your blue coat. Ha, ha, ha. Mm -hmm. um, but <laughs> we won that war. <laughs> um, that one, too. So how? what drew you to it? What made, what made you go, you know what? That's what I'm going to do. Yeah, again, the the credit really belongs to my nephew. He he was in the brewing world, in the craft beer world. He was at Victory at the time. This is 2004. 
and he he recognized craft distilling as being sort of the third leg in the stool of the alcohol industry that hadn't gone craft. We'd seen American wines, yep. you know, explode and become world class. Certainly, craft beer in America by 2004 was well known and becoming global, mm -hmm. um, but highly respected for its quality. And here was the spirits world, and it really didn't have that. Um, and that was simply his business pitch to me at the time I was between careers and I became sort of the first investor and then quickly realized that you know a company needs more than just a great distiller and Robert focused on making the spirit and building the distillery and I sort of done you know I worked on the packaging and the brand story and raising capital and the legal things and our third partner Timmy Arnold focused on the sales and distribution which of course you need all three of those components yeah to be even marginally successful and um, we had a great core team and had a great experience doing this so I fell into it more or less um, I'm an entrepreneur but it made a lot of sense to me while spirits and craft and the quality of the product has to be top-notch it's still a market and a business I think that's heavily on marketing and packaging and yes. telling your brand story and as a craft distiller um, that bottle has to speak to you as a customer, whether you're in Arizona or Hawaii or in D.C. or, or in Philadelphia. and Because we, we don't have the money for advertising and marketing in, in the traditional sense. So that bottle and that spirit needs to speak for itself. Or you come on to the, a little show called the Designated Drinker Show. <laughs> we blow up. We blow up. Cool. We're growing up. <laughs> you know, it's funny. You know, he, he said, so Andy says that, you know, 2009, 8-ish, <laughs> I spent a lot of time, a lot of time going to liquor stores, little liquor stores, with Andrew or with Rob or with whoever. Um, <clears throat> oh, what was her name? Meredith. Meredith, love her. <laughs> Did she still work here? Sorry. Works in the industry. Okay, works in the industry. Sorry. Not with us. Sorry, all right. She all right. isn't an official investor. No, she's a good friend of ours, so. Okay, you know. sorry. Um... We would go and look, does Ken, where is the bottle? What does it look like next to all the other bottles? How does it stand out? What low does it look like? The bottle has changed. Not the shape, no. but it definitely has changed like a little bit with like yeah, the writing. Yeah. yeah. And it's stunning and it's amazing to walk into a store and see it. And to see it like on the corner now being the, you know, faced out instead of it, you know, being buried in with allegedly these craft products. And like they didn't know what to do with like Again, and just being very modest, when craft spirits came out, liquor stores didn't put them directly on those shelves. They no. put them with craft spirits, and there was five. So there was a whiskey, <laughs> a gin, uh, I don't know, yeah. uh, whatever, uh, a, quart, a vermouth, a quarter didn't matter. Yeah. It was all together in the new craft section <laughs> that nobody went to. Which was were, like one shelf. Right, so if you were looking one to shelf. one shelf, like not even, like a half a shelf, and like, You'd walk in and you'd be like, oh, I'm looking for a blah, blah, blah. And they're like, oh, gin's on this aisle, except these spirits are here. Yeah. So paving a way, like, you know, you're 10, you know, what? So Coming I, up on 13 years. I mean, we certainly we consider ourselves a pioneer in craft spirits. You know, it, well you it, from be. our region. I mean, and as things are, as good ideas are, it was popping up around the country, particularly in gin. You know, aviation and death store. Um, sort of surfaced at the same time. We were all having the similar ideas in different parts of the country, and which makes it super exciting. And it's great to see those companies expanding and doing well as well. It's, yeah. it's fun to run into those founders and distillers and applaud their success. You know, Absolutely. when we see their bottles, we're 
excited, competitive, but excited to see us all grow. Exactly. It's that there's there is a. Everyone, of course, wants more, but you can build a, a, a space that everyone can be successful. And, and I think it's really great that also it raises the bar so that the spirit quality gets better. And I think healthy competition is a, 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 a plays a key. It plays a key role in that in in doing better in anything. Having a healthy competition sure. helps you continue to reach further. You don't get you don't sit back on your laurels. You always dig deeper. And I think we're better for it. I know I, that's how I function anyway. Like when I know I'm going into a tough space, I might for a minute bite my nails, but, but it's what makes me stronger. It was yeah. because it bring new ideas to the table and like you said Never be satisfied with the status quo. Continuing to swing those big heavy bats and going for the fences. Probably above your weight, but that's, that's what it's all about. <laughs> you know? Yeah, trying to hit the homer. Absolutely. So, Gina, what's this pretty bottle? I don't, well, you know what? This is the first time I've had blue coat uh, barrel finish. Wow. I know. Wait a minute, so. did you say this is the first time you've had blue, cup, blue coat? Barrel, barrel finish and the elderflower. Oh, yeah. look at that. So the Blue Coat Barrel Finish came out a few years ago. Um, it is a delicious spirit. It, again, same botanical recipe, same distillation. We put the high-proof spirit into brand new American oak. So these are charred barrels. Traditionally, they'd be receiving a bourbon or a, yeah. you know, a, a white bourbon, sort of. Um, and we rest the spirit in these barrels for six to nine months. We do two different periods of resting. The first time we use the barrel, three to four months, we pull that spirit out, put it aside, put new high-proof gin in there, six to nine months, and then we blend them together. So what's in the bottle is two-thirds first-use barrels, meaning the first time that barrel was ever used, gin was soaked in it, um, and mixed with one-third of the second use. End of the, end of the game is that it's blue coat plus wood, That's and cool. it completely changes the characteristic. It is closer to uh, a delicious bourbon than maybe a traditional gin but we've had a great success with it and finding new customers i believe mostly in the whiskey space We're, particularly if we don't say it's gin and then we put this in people's mouth they are really impressed by the spirit and the complexity for me it works in great gin cocktails like the martinez um but it goes to an old-fashioned also you can yeah is that what you would do with it, Gina? What I mean, does it? In, when you, let me ask you this: When you taste like spirits that are like, especially something that's kind of like not off the shelf, it's a very, it's different and unique. Does it inspire you to go? Okay, I would do this with it. You know what I immediately want to do? I want to heat it up. <laughs> I want to serve it warm, like and mm. like, I want to serve it warm with like. It's got that warm buttery. I know. Going on, yeah, so. exactly. Yeah. That would be really cool to butter wash it. Mm. That's a fun thing to do, like you know, do the butt wash in the cocktail. Do a butter wash, but maybe some of this fancy sugar that, that your distiller was so kind to let me try from Mariches. Wait, where is that? I don't even know where that is. I mean, he's like, it's a very tiny island. I'm like, well, but, but where? And did I actually take social studies? What's happening? I mean, I don't know. I'm like having my mind blown today. This is like, I love this. This is why I love what we do. Like, look, look where we are. Beautiful space. It's right, Esther is like everywhere, just mm. and gorgeous, and you're just encompassed with this, this, this talk, right? And you say, you know, it's it's been 13 years, 13 years. Look at this, 13 years is nothing. It's a blip <laughs> on the map. Yeah. What happens in 13 more years? Wow. I mean, really, look at it. It's amazing. I mean, you're so I, kind. It's amazing. It's it's more than I'm so full of like love right now. It's just, <laughs> it's ter- 
Oh, I'm drunk. But <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. I'm not. I really do. I feel like heart warm, and it's amazing. Well, it might be the little barrel aged. Yeah. I, that might be Good what's day. warm. It's warm yeah. in my tummy. It is. <laughs> it's nice. Yeah, I love nice. it. Try it in Negroni. Try it in the Martinez. Negroni. I yeah, love the Negroni Negronis. with the barrel aged. I, I mean, I love the blue coat classic in a, in a Negroni, but I think the barrel aged had just this interesting complexity and nuance to it that is great. And it's it's fun. We we obviously take it very seriously when we add a new spirit particularly to the blue coat line in terms of its quality and uniqueness and it has to have a reason for being yeah um but that I, that shows a, a true love for your own brand and always staying relevant and moving the bar or, or moving the peg but not haphazardly and not ever abandoning your original the essence of the brand itself. That's that's, that's very hard for business. It is hard to, to it's do. Probably the hardest you got to be you got to be strict business. with your brand, and it's one of the reasons why we wanted to use brand new American oak. We didn't want to use someone else's used whiskey barrels, which is traditional yes. for a barrel aged gin, like and and makes perfect economical sense and efficiency. But we couldn't control the process then. We were going to be getting different barrels from different people, and if they're dried out or if they're older. We wanted to make sure that we can replicate this spirit the exact same way year after year. And so when you use brand new barrels, yes. even though there's, of course, a difference in every barrel aging, it gives us a much better control. And so for us, it's a little more expensive, but again, we can replicate this same unique flavor year after year. I think consistency, especially for in, in the craft space, and you put any brewery distillery wine in that craft space it's very hard to do very hard to do in small and, batch and and while i appreciate the craft distilleries that are more flexible and and are okay with batch after batch we're trying to build not only a you know a, a great company but a brand and you need to be consistent yes people have to reach for that bottle two years later and expect the same result and, and if it's different it's just something that we don't well, subscribe to. Well, I Gina. I mean, like when we're looking at different products or we talk about different things, she'll say, well, it might, it's good this time, but last time it was ma. And because it, because you're hanging your hat on it too because the yeah. cocktail you make and the selection of, of product, what you select, speaks to your brand. And when Bartending, you, you're only as good as your next drink. <laughs> uh -huh. So what you put in that glass yep. Yep. Leaves, leaves, leaves with that person. Yep. So... When the when you now have this recipe and then you sub in something else and it doesn't work, yep. or it worked one time amazing and the next time it's not, yep. and now you have this, this your whole reputation is hanging on. Well, it. that's also because you're the expert, and me being a general consumer, I trust Gina, which we all do anyway. Trust Gina that what she's gonna put she's gonna put in my glass is gonna blow my socks off. It's you a know, lot of pressure. I <laughs> love when no, she sweats. No, that, <laughs> No, I have to say I, that is a lot of pressure. You know, some people like look at these bartenders and you're like, oh my god, bar star, they're gonna like do all the stuff, right? What are you gonna wow me with? I've been bartending almost twenty years. Yeah. That's like a lot of pressure to keep coming up with like what is new? And like, do I have an arsenal of what is new? Yes I do, some young ones. <laughs> Good luck, you better hope I go blind because it's, it's not gonna happen. Well, we had that conversation no, no, no. on yeah. the way up. Um, but I think and I, and I mean this, but I, I, I rely on new products. I rely on somebody to come forward and say, you know, oh, I have this new blue coat barrel finish. What, what are you going to do with it? Yeah. What am I going to do with it? I don't know. Right now I have a million ideas going to my head. So I brought something to make today. Now I feel like 
I don't even want to make that anymore. <laughs> but now I'm going to make it because I really carried something very special for you. Great. So I'm going to make a quick drink. Thank you, Gina. And um, so I've gotten into doing some really weird stuff. So what we do is um, I've been doing like a little bit of ferments. Um, I've been doing fermentations for a while, but this is like a little bit more uh, involved. So what this is is uh, black raspberries that we hand uh, picked back way back this summer. And we use them once in a fresh drink, we mold them. Yes. And then we use the remaining amounts of it and we put them under plated plates with a little bit of salt for the last almost five and a half months. And yesterday, because I knew I was coming and I had to bring Andrew something different and special. Wow. I extracted it. And from five pounds of black raspberries picked by my fat fingers <laughs> and my friend Pooja, um, we got literally eight or nine ounces. So I brought three precious little ounces of it with me, and then I took the rest and I made it into something else, but it's not as special as this because it's insane. So Andrew, you and uh, thanks to you, I we're I, I get to go along on this on this gig, but I mean we're pretty fucking lucky. I know. <laughs> so this is Gina in concentrate. I love it. Flavor. So this is uh, so this fermentation. When you ferment, I'm really into the word. Um, I know I'm such a, I, I honestly I'm geeking out. I know. Yes. So in here we have um, two ounces of blue coat. We have a half an ounce of the black raspberry. Um, we have lemon juice and we have an egg white. Obviously, if you live in Philadelphia, you would know this is pretty much a clover club. Except what I made is salinity and fruit, and it's different. So it does it. It's not going to be that drink anymore. So it's five months. Five months, a lot of bruising on my fingers, a trip to New Orleans, <laughs> and I'm pretty sure sunburn and maybe some skin cancer, but that's fine. <laughs> So we're gonna take such a. You're gonna like it. drink. Yeah, I know. I mean, that's it. Like, I mean, shut up. I, mean, I do that every weekend. <laughs> Wait, like, point and click. I mean. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not sure. 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 I'm not so, I love it when she does this. This is music to I my know. ears. She laughs at me when she gives me something to shake. She's like, just give it, just give it, just give it. <laughs> I would do it with two hands, with in, in each hand, but uh, it's got black raspberry in it. And if I spill it, I'm going to freak out. <laughs> well, and it's only three ounces of like gold, so you don't want to spill any of it. That's pretty, I'm sure. Why is it every time we go to a distillery wow. or we have a distiller on? It's the color, not like the it's color is beautiful. amazing. We're always oh really boozy God. on these shows, Gina. I need uh, Sorry, I something there, to tap. Wow. No. The color is really cool. Gina makes the most beautiful cocktails. Black raspberries. Mm. So she brought Gin. when she brought them on the show the last when we used them when she picked them, um, they were I didn't know what they were. I thought when she pulled them up out, I thought, oh, those are black berries. Hold on. But they're actually it's a different fruit. Didn't even know that. Yeah. I haven't told <laughs> I you because they, they were and they, they were really Black raspberries are different than raspberries and are different than blackberries. Yes. Huh. 
But did a, did a blackberry pick up a raspberry at, <laughs> at the end of the night? Yeah, you know. Is that so, what happened? So LGBTWQS, you know, berry. Hey, who, am I, who am I to judge? It just, you know, takes love. <laughs> there we go. So, Gina, it really is, is the black So, red. black raspberry, you funny little people over here. <laughs> so, you ignorant. So, black raspberry is probably closest related to a mulberry, except it grows in a thicket. So when you actually pick them, they're actually extremely thorny. <laughs> so your fingers almost bleed. So what really what we're tasting is Gina's blood. Yeah, like <laughs> yes, and let me tell you something. Blood on this cocktail. It's bacteria <laughs> and Gina's blood. <laughs> I love it. Wow. I mean, I think I could have been a witch. <laughs> I say that all the time. <laughs> well, what you uh, definitely what you put together is magic. That's for damn sure. Could have. So I'm really obsessed with this Jackson. I think it's delicious. We're gonna do one drop in there to see. Oh, to see how so beautiful. Yeah, Cheers. Which is this video? They need to see the beauty. Oh, no, they will. We'll photograph it up. Terrible. Again, that's another one of those dangerous spaces that's so beautiful and light. I can't speak yet. I'm going for the third sip here. Yeah, you <laughs> Excuse <go>. me. <laughs> it's so that dryness. Mm -hmm. That's great. So you guys like not sweet? Yes. It's because it's salt. There's her salt again. And I, it, you, it, you it when you, you were, now it, that I'm tasting it's it. super dry. It finishes so clean. If you were just to look at this drink, you'd be like, oh my God, that's going to be a sugar bomb. Because mm. it's so beautiful and Not pink. It is just, that's, Gina. We're going to make one more of those without bitters, I think. Okay. All right. I mean, they don't want to I mean, yeah, let's, oh wait, I mean, we I get yet another drink? I never myself, but I feel like I don't want that because the salinity from that is happening and okay. this is true bartending show, right? All right, it is. It's all about you, Gina. So we're going to do one more. But I also think it's really cool to see like an expert say, you know what, I think we could do this again differently, better. <laughs> but I mean, for the at-home bartender who, you know, you're like, oh. Don't be frustrated, it, yeah. Yeah, just keep trying. Just, it's, it's, I really do think she. Even the mixtress has to like go back and make a second one. Exactly. <laughs> uh, well, you know what it is? I made, I, I haven't used my own ferment. I knew it would work because I tasted it and I'm like, I'm like, oh, I can't waste it. <laughs> I don't have enough. And I was like, and I'm like, and I wanted to do it for like one other thing. And I'm like, but Andrew deserves it. So I brought it. Wow. I don't know what you did, but I'm going to hang out with you more often because she's making <laughs> like extra special for you. She's my friend. Mm. It's nice. Sometimes I just, sometimes I just have friends. <laughs> and I don't use and I don't use that uh, term lightly. That is for sure. That is true. We're That's more than true. Facebook friends. That's how serious it is. <laughs> <laughs> so what's what's coming up for the the distillery? What's what can what do people what should they look for? Um, what the, I mean, always come you know ready for some creative cocktails. We have a new chef, which is exciting here at the distillery. But in terms of blue coat. Spring will have a new expression, uh, 2019, um, of Blue Coat. Again, available only here at the distillery. Is that that's what we saw working down in the lab? That's what you saw. You got yeah. a sneak peek at that. <laughs> it's pretty cool. Um, the distillery itself, where we we have some test barrels of malt whiskey and rye whiskey, and I believe after a four-year effort, we'll be finally launching our Amaro. Oh. So that is super exciting for us. A real 
delicious spirit, obviously, uh, in the Italian tradition, um, but it, with an American twist. Oh, nice. That's sort of our, our hallmark to the company is high-quality ingredients, American twist on classic spirits. And Aaron, our head distiller, has been working on this for years, and uh, I think it's knockout. So cool. I'm excited to share that with everybody. What you got there? She's got something <laughs> she, we can't, like she can't get to. <laughs> by Sands Bitters. Yeah. Uh, although, although I do really love Jack's Bitters. Thank you. He's one of these creative guys that we have that knows how to make a killer cocktail. But is now better without the bitters? Different I, or better? I would say that I prefer it without the bitters. Hmm. I mean, different is, it's not that the bitters are bad. Just yeah. in this cocktail and the, the beauty and the lightness of this. Do you taste the salt now more? I do. I think because... Like you said earlier, the expectation of sweetness is not there, yeah. and it's met with this dry crispness and just clean, so it finishes like real fast, and I love that. Yeah. For me, that's kind yeah. of my drinking. I'm not a sweet drinker. So. I think we need a recipe for everybody to make, a, um, to make this at home. Yes. So you need five months. <laughs> a lot of patients. You cannot have a cat. One yeah. in New Orleans, right? Yeah. yeah <laughs> we go to New Orleans with <laughs> us. <laughs> no, I think we could do this. I mean, obviously, you could put flambois in there and you know, just get a good, good, good raspberry syrup and make a clover cup. And we'll give you a traditional recipe. But I mean, for my adventurers out there that are listening and you're feeling like you can do this, I will, I will handhold you and we will make this together. Wow. Yeah. Well, be fun. so how you're going to do that, you're going to head over to designateddrinker.show. That's designateddrinker.show. And uh, Gina's going to have the recipes like she always does, but apparently she, we're one-upping we're one upping it. And we're going to go the extra mile. And I'm going to say it, it's worth every it is worth it. last minute of the five months it took for this the to happen. The gin stands up, but the cocktail that Gina created is, is phenomenal. But that, to your point, what it is is the gin isn't lost in this. It's not like it's not like it's hidden. Mm-mm. It's when I say, oh, I mean, I, I guess that. And I forgive me for being. I would go out on the limb and say that obviously has to do with the quality of the gin and the roundness and why you would pick a gin like this for this cocktail or why you would pick blue coat for this cocktail. But isn't it cool how like the salt? So I was saying salinity. Yeah. Right? We were talking about it, but like now you have the sweetness from the orange coming through. There's no sugar. Um, in this drink. By the way, there's no sugar in this drink. So when, when I made this with the black raspberries, it literally sat in salt and under plates for months. And when I put the plates on top was to keep it pressed. I didn't have like a press. Yeah. So like I do like, you know, you know, you do what you can. So I'm saying we could do, you could do this at home. Mm-hmm. Um, and you don't have to use five pounds. You could just get like, you know, a couple ounces and do it. <laughs> um, but it, it sweats its own sugar and it forces a change. Which forces a change to the drink, which forces the gin to say, I do have a sweetness to me, yeah. but it's in essence. So 
See, it's dry and fruity without being sweet. Do you have a name for this cocktail? No. Uh, <laughs> we will no. have before the episode right. goes. Come up with a name. All right, sorry. <laughs> do you have a name for it? I mean, what do you beautiful. have? It's my I first think, time. I think that, like a twist on Clover Club is a good way to go. It's good because it looks like that, but it's really different. Like, I'm trying to think here. I just. It, so here's what I think. Do you have anything else? Mm, no. Do you have anything else? All right. So here's what I'm gonna do. I'm gonna call the show. We're gonna wrap it up. Really? Right. Gonna be last call. But since you are a bit of the founder owner of this joint. I say we wrap up the show, we do last call, we go downstairs and figure out the name of this drink. Okay. All right. So that's last call. You don't have to go home, Andrew. You just have to go downstairs to the bar with us so we can have some more. All right. Fair enough. (laughs) I'd be happy to do that. Cheers. Cheers. Thanks for having us. Absolutely. Cheers. Cheers. Cheers.